Welcome to The Marketect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Marketect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, my guest co-host, Jason Oakley, Senior Director, PMM at Clue, and someone you should definitely be following on LinkedIn. We're going to sit with three tip-top product marketing executives who are really at the top of their game. They're going to share some of their best practices as it relates to helping companies position to win. I mean, that's what product marketing helps companies do. We help companies position to win. Essentially, these these cats, they're going to help us define what market they intend to win, why they deserve to win it. They're going to share all these best practice secrets with us. And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the Jam Master Jays, Jam Julian Gerard, Jam from Sixth Sense, Julian from Gong, and Gerard from High Spot. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Ron. Before we before we get into the heavy hitting questions here, just indulge me for a second. I'm going to ask you two fill in the blanks. The first one, Jam, we'll start with you. I am in marketing because because there's nothing more powerful than stories to connect people and marketers are the ultimate storytellers. Love it. It is all about storytelling. Uh, Julian, I am in marketing because? I'm in marketing because I literally wanted to be a rock star, but I'm not cool enough. And I think (laughs) I often define PMM as the sound system of the company. Uh, We reach bigger audiences by telling stories, just like Jam said, we listen to the audience, uh, we make the audience want a stage dive for us. So that's pretty uh, rock and roll to me. Oh, Julian, and you already reach rock star status in the PMM world. I've heard you speak. <laughs> I've had uh, the good fortune of just jamming with you on some PMM uh, talk tracks and, and you're the real deal. So you have become a rock star, albeit not in music, but in product marketing. <laughs> Gerard. I am in marketing because I like helping people solve problems. And what I love about marketing, product marketing in particular, is that our job is to take something that's really complex in a lot of times, specifically in tech, uh, and make it simple and make it make sense. And I think to unlock that to the audience is compelling and powerful. And I, I love it. Oh, now I see why uh, Highspot uh, hired you. You're solving a lot of problems for their customers is what I hear through the grapevine. Thank you, Gerard. Jason. Yes. I'm in marketing because. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer like Gerard did about product marketing. For me, I'm in product marketing because I really, I do love the, the fact that it's connected with all teams in the company. Like it is like a, a, the glue that ties a number of teams together, whether it's helping them tell the story, whether it's enabling them or, or even just having that knowledge and being in kind of touching all those different areas. So I just love the the cross-functional nature of product marketing and how you just get to be involved in so many areas of the business. So that's it for me. Oh, Jason's the glue guy. Every, every company glue needs guy. a glue guy. That's <laughs> him. Uh, all right. Why don't we go backwards? Why don't we start with you, Jason? My definition mm-hmm. of leadership is? My definition of leadership, when I'm my best version of a leader, I think it's when I'm enabling my team, like giving them the space, giving them the tools, empowering them to do their best work. And that's how I, that's what I try to do at least all as much as I can. Gerard, my definition of leadership is? Uh, I'm on my Ted Lasso stuff. So I, I, <laughs> try to get, 
I'm trying to get my team to be the best versions of themselves. And I, and I tell them all the time, whether you do it here with me at high spot, you do it home, you do your community, you do it at your next job. Let's, let's be the best versions of ourselves. And, and, you know, if you can lead people towards the path and towards the tools that allow them to do that, that's, that's what a great leader does. Oh, love that. Uh, Julian, my definition of leadership is. Yeah, I, I think uh, three things simple. It's uh, I hire the best people. I trust them. I really think trust is the foundation of everything in work and in life. And then I guide them. So hire, trust, and guide. I believe everything else just follows. Threes. I, I can definitely remember mm -hmm. that. Hire, trust, and guide. All right, Jam. My definition of leadership is? I'm a big threes guy as well. Um, and, you know, three things <laughs> that I hang my hat on for, for leadership are uh, decisiveness, communication, and empathy. I think when you're leading a team, you're looking for somebody who's not going to whittle waddle a lot. You know, you, you've got to place bets, especially in our role. So you've got to show decisiveness. You've got to communicate so everybody's on the same page. And then just empathize with, with your team and cross-functionally making sure you just understand everyone you're working with. So those are three that I always hold myself very accountable to. You know, I have to say I was very decisive in understanding who I wanted on this podcast today. And it was the Jam Master Jays <laughs> because I've seen you folks in action and you really know how to help companies position to win. So let's get to it. Let, let's start with some basics here. So for me, you know, the role of product marketing is really, like I said, to help companies position to win. And for, you know, we, we I take win and, and I made it into an acronym, W-I-N. W is for who? Who are you going to win with your ideal customer profiles, your segments, and who are you going to win against your, you know, your rivals, your competitors, the I in win is impact. And so what impact are we going to provide through the value of the solution that we offer? And the N in win is narrative. What narrative, what stories are we crafting for our internal stakeholders, sales, marketing, customer success, these people are acquiring, retaining, expanding. And what narrative do we craft externally for our prospects, our existing customers, our partners, our investors, so on and so forth, to convey the value uh, that, we, um, that we provide. So that's just me. We help companies position to win. What does product marketing do at Gong, High spot, six cents, and clue. Yeah, I guess Gong. That would be me, right? Uh, that's my <laughs> that's my cue. <laughs> I so I'll start by saying uh, I like the win framework. Uh, it's actually exactly how we operate, and I'm not saying that just to make my friend Warren happy. Um, we uh, product marketing at Gong. We actually it includes category uh, marketing core product marketing and customer marketing, we all operate on one same team. And really we try to up-level um, everything from feature function to these value statements. Um, so, you know, things like boost reps productivity, improve ramp time, save at-risk deals, things like that. Um, so that really is the, the eye of the, the win, right? Uh, and from these value statements that we would then use as, as anchors to, to everything else, we, we then tell the story at three different levels. One is the category market or company level, 
if you will. That's the highest level. The second one down is at the product level. Same narrative, but sl slightly distorted to tell the product story. And the third one is, is customers. And if you do things well, your company, product, and customer narratives should all be pointing to the same value propositions. So I, I like the WIN framework a lot. Oh, thank you, Julian. Uh, Gerard, uh, what does product marketing do at Highspot? Yeah, so I, I, it's funny. So one, our, our mantra is, is level up. So you ask my team kind of what's the, what's the mantra, what's the hashtags level up, even down to the, uh, the emojis we use in Slack. And it, it's that notion of something Julian touched on. We believe if we level up product marketing at Highspot, then Highspot gets to level up in the category. And if we level up in the category, then game over. Like we've done the things that we set out to do. And the evolution of product marketing has got to go from the team that creates the content into the team that facilitates a frictionless purchase process and maximizes customer lifetime value. If we focus on those two bits, our job, we believe, is to help everyone in the company just be a little more confident with the way they feel about the product. And if we do that, then we believe we can get the audience that we're serving to be confident about the product, their ability to use it, their ability to extract value from it, their ability to talk about it when their CFO asks what it is. And again, taking a lot of what the complexities are and distilling it down to something simple is something we got to mix both kind of, you know, art and science around. And I just think we're the best magicians uh, in the business of doing that. So. That's who we are. That's what we aim to serve. And again, if we can make the complex simple and, and really serve at scale, we, we believe there's nothing in our way of kind of taking this whole thing. Gerard, I love that, uh, the, the concept of leveling up and also just, you know, reducing friction for the buyer. I, that's, uh, that's just, that's fantastic. What does product marketing do at Sixth Sense Jam? Thanks, uh, Rowan. I, I love that you've introduced this kind of WIN acronym. I, I've never really broken it down that way, but it ties into a framework that I'm, I really love. And it's based on uh, the book, Playing to Win, uh, that was authored by uh, some leadership at Procter & Gamble. And it's one that I've always found uh, just a, a really good set of cascading values, which is, you know, defining your winning aspiration, just getting everybody in the organization, like tuned to like a common North Star, it usually trickles down from, from top down. And, uh, you know, product marketing is, is the steward of that message. So, you know, getting the entire company aligned on what a winning aspiration is, determining where we're going to play, how we'll win, and what capabilities we need. This is kind of the framework that, uh, you know, uh, if you read the Plan to Win book, uh, they follow that and uh, has been used uh, to a lot of success. And I think it applies really well to a product marketing team because it looks at who you want to be, you know, being choiceful about where you're going to go after, which is as much about what you're not going to do as much as what you are going to do. And then thinking about how you'll define winning, which, which goes back to your impact. And I think your narrative has a lot to do with that. Uh, and then ultimately what capabilities you need. And that's when we look at everything from tools and systems to, to skills and what are the personnel and how can you invest in, you know, your own people to get them to that place. So that's how we like to look at things then, you know, uh, everything comes down to aligning to that top level winning aspiration. Oh, I love that, Jam. I've been using the Plane to Win framework for, for almost a decade now. And uh, fun fact, one of the co-authors, Roger Martin, is 
from Toronto, former dean of the University of Toronto. So Toronto, we don't just produce, you know, musicians like Drake and uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber. Uh, it pains me to say that name, but um, but also gentlemen who produce books called Playing to Win. And you're 100% right. I mean, that is a narrative, um, sorry, a framework that product marketers should be very, very familiar with because it helps structure our, our efforts. Thank you, Jam. Product marketing at Clue, Jason. Yeah, yeah, I love the I love the win framework. I think I loved everything that everybody said. I think it's um, rings true for us as well. I think, yeah, when I think about product marketing, it's like one we're the we're the story builders and we're the storytellers and we're enabling everyone else to tell the story. So not only like yes, we're creating the the positioning and messaging in the company if we think about it more tactically, but it's it's not just creating it, but it's like all the inputs that go into it. So we're all, we're, you know, we're listening to the buyer. We're, we're kind of tapped into sales and always listening and trying to understand what is the story and then trying to translate that into something that everyone can use. And so it's like, tactically, what does that look like? It's, it's positioning and messaging for releases. It is competitive enablement, right? It's, it's how we enable our sales team to tell the story to differentiate against competitors. It's, it's all of that it, content creation. And it's, it's, so it's at a strategic level, it's, it's, we're storytellers. We're enabling everyone else to tell the story and make sure that everyone's kind of reading off the same sheet. And then yeah, on a tactical level, it's, it's all areas of product marketing and weaving the story into that. So I love, yeah, I love the wind framework. Oh, Jason. I, and I, and I have to say, I'm loving the simplicity in which you said that we story build and we story tell i jeez it, it really i i love that i that's yeah. that's phenomenal yeah no and, and well and so one thing i'm curious just to ask everyone as well is i'm curious to dig in a little bit more to understand like where does product marketing sit within your company we know what it does but and, and what it's responsible for but yeah where does it reside and like who does it report to and also what are some of the other like key stakeholders or, you know, what's your network look like within the organization? So yeah, like Jam, why don't we start with you? Like, what does that look like at Sixth Sense? Yeah, so at Sixth Sense, I, I report into um, our CMO, Latney, um, and it's, I think it's the, the perfect place for product marketing to report into um, one of the ways that uh, she refers to herself rightfully. So is not the chief marketing officer, but the chief market officer. And it's a subtle but important distinction. Uh, and that makes it a very strategic arm over here at Sixth Sense. And so product marketing reporting up into that is, is uh, the perfect spot for it. And, and our stakeholders are the usual suspects, right? We work really closely with the product team. I always consider our revenue team, sales and customer success as the primary stakeholders. And uh, kind of the, the litmus test for whether we're doing our, our role effectively is you know, our ability to make them successful. Yeah. And, and Julian, what does it look like at Gong? Yeah, at Gong, PMM sits in marketing as well. Uh, so I report to Udi, our CMO, uh, same, you know, cast of usual suspects or characters in terms of who the stakeholders are, are ELT, product, sales, um, CS. I really value and love our tight partnership with enablement. Um, I think PMM without enablement has no impact. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little silly to say it that way, but it is true. So we need each other. Uh, so if anything, the interlock has to be really strong with enablement in my book. Yeah. PMM without enablement 
has no impact. Whoa, I love that. And 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 Gerard's probably just absolutely loving that because he sells a solution that has a little something to do with enablement last I checked. Yeah, no, big I, I, I think they, I say I use a similar equation. It's fascinating. Pro product marketing at high spot sits under marketing. So I report to uh, our CMO John Pereira and like like uh, like the, the the Jay's team here, we we similar usual suspects. Um, there's probably not a day that goes by where it's not a conversation with product, conversation with uh, my uh, demand gen partner in crime, Lucas Welch, um, sales, services, and then enablement. It's a very special relationship, as you can imagine. Here here at High Spot, enablement and PMM are are aligned on things. It, it takes us to get, I, I always say it used to take us to get it on the shelf and then enablement to get it off, but we are working in lockstep through stages of how the product roadmaps being shaped. The faster we can get enablement ahead of it, the easier it is for our sellers to go talk about and the easier it is for them to get confidence in it. My equation for enablement is that content without context equals chaos. And that's the piece that we look to enablement to help us do. Provide the context for the content and the stories we build and tell so that the reps are confident. So it's just it's just a flip on the same bit. But yeah, we think enablement's a very special relationship here at High Spot for, for all the reasons you'd imagine. Brilliant. That. Well, listen, I, I hold you and and Jason, please. I yeah. you know, I know you asked the question, but uh, where is product marketing residing at, at Clue, and and who are your yeah. key interlocks to ensure you know the things that you produce are of value? Yeah, I, I think it's a clean sweep. It's marketing at, at Clue as well. I think every product marketing team I've been has always rolled up to to marketing, and so it's no different at Clue. I think for us and similar key stakeholders in the business, like I would um, I'll echo a lot of what Gerard said. It's a big part of product marketing is is enablement and. Um, and so much of the, the work that we do is enabling teams, obviously the work we do with our, our sales team and enabling them, whether it's kind of an enablement at a, at a broader sense, but also for us, you know, I wouldn't be a product marketer if I was, wasn't on here talking about competitive enablement as well. You know, for us at Clue, like competitive enablement is a huge thing. And so we're really big believers in making sure that everyone in the company knows about our competitors, but also knows how to talk about the competition. And so that's a big part for us. So like we're kind of woven into everything from product sales and obviously we're, we're a huge part of the marketing team and our go-to-market and so very similar to, to what everyone else is saying well listen I, I hold each of you in the highest of regards but you know keeping it real product marketing is tough it's hard and you know it's hard for one person to do it and uh, more often than not we're understaffed uh, but it takes a village to do what we do and I'm curious, what does the product marketing team at each of your organizations look like? Like, how are you building out your teams when you're architecting this team? What goes through your minds? Jam, what does the product marketing team at Sixth Sense look like? How are you structuring the, the team? Yeah, it's a, it's a rapidly uh, growing uh, function here, uh, Rowan. And, and the way we're starting to structure it or, or the way I, I usually go about structuring it is, You've got your classic core, what you consider core product marketing that is responsible for messaging and positioning. And we'll usually break the product up into some value pillars that we divide up amongst the team, depending on the size and scope or responsibilities. So we've got three core co product pillars and they're split up between two directors of product marketing. Uh, I've got a head of market intelligence. We're building a team out under, we've already got three folks there. Um, and we look at it, that is competitive intelligence plus. We look at both compete 
uh, you know, our direct competitors, but we also just look at the market as a whole and what market conditions are going to impact us, you know, uh, what, you know, where the wind's blowing. So we view it uh, not just through a competitive intelligence lens, but a market intelligence lens uh, and have recently brought on Clue to help with that. So a little shout out there to, to the team. Um, uh, customer marketing Great. does sit under uh, our charter as well. So, and we look at that through the lens of advocacy, adoption and community. Uh, which uh, resides under our charter there. So that is another like core pillar. Uh, so those are kind of three fundamental ones you've built under. And then launch and activation, I feel has its own special place. And I've always had a, a, a separate leader, not buried under another function, because to me, there's the regular drumbeat of product launches that you do, but there's also activating the larger story that you want a press release around. You want to rally the entire like company around maybe more of a quarterly cadence there. So we have a function just dedicated to making sure that we activate our stories broadly, both internally uh, and externally. Uh, so that's what the core team looks like today. And then we're also overlaying segment marketing because our go-to-market motions for our commercial segments versus enterprise versus global are very different, different buyer groups, and different verticals. So we're overlaying segment marketing there as well. And the last piece that is a little bit different for us is we have a product evangelist that is on the team that really is responsible for bringing all of our stories to life through really compelling visual like demos. And that's something that I haven't had before, but uh, really now being able to tell a more visual story is something that's becoming more and more relevant to us. And we felt like aside from what the SCs do, it made sense to have a product evangelist sit within product marketing uh, because we're at the core of the storytelling function. That's awesome. Yeah. Very thoughtful. So, so just to clarify, so you got three product pillars. So you have a director handling the, the, you know, two directors handling the three pillars that are looking at it from a, from a product perspective. And then you overlay all that with somewhat like a central resource for market intelligence. And obviously competitive is part of that. You have someone that is dedicated to customer marketing, another for launch and activation uh, your various segments, enterprise versus commercial, and then a product evangelist to spread the gospel, if you will. Exactly. And actually one, uh, I was I was rattling through all this, but the one I, I, I missed and, and I'm remiss is a partner marketing also sits under us. So we've got a dedicated function we currently have and are building out and increasing under partner marketing as well. You're a busy guy. I appreciate. I really appreciate you lending your time to the the community today. My God, I'm just curious. One quick question. So, partner marketing sits within your team. Is there a broader partnerships team, and how do they work together with partner? There marketing? is, yeah, and they work really closely with the. So, the partnership team is all about bringing you know alliances, bringing partners into the fold. You know, working more of the business angle, uh, and we have both a activation i'd say partner marketing which is all about right some of the demand generation activities the the webinars um you know joint events but then we've got a lot of our better together stories representing on the website creating the collateral uh, and that function sits under marketing but works really closely with both the events team as well as with our partner alliance team so if you're launching say a new a new integration or something like that your partner marketer would kind of own that launch that that's correct. They, they'd own the main story. They'd have all the, all the value story. They'd enable the team on it and work with both, you know, sales enablement. Uh, we have a dedicated function that we're building out for partner enablement as well, because we have a pretty thriving partner ecosystem yeah. uh, and they would quarterback all of that. That's really cool. I like that. Gerard, what does yeah. product marketing at high spot look like? 
uh, it looks it looks a lot like what we just talked about. It, it's interesting. There's I, I, I call it six pillars. Uh, I have one leader who's focused on our kind of core SKUs, and so what uh, what we actually sell today. I have another one focused on the platform that powers those SKUs, and I've kind of pulled them apart because I'd like to get into conversations about use cases and do we have the right mix of entitlements and how should we think about the product different. And I like for them to, to bounce weird ideas off of each other, but by separating them, you kind of, you kind of drive those. We focus on audience. So we're going to do a lot more with industry. We got to go a little deeper there. And so what's that audience look like? And it's something you said, Jam, when you think of audience, it's also, how do we think about segments differently? How do we think about geographies differently? Mm-hmm. And when you start to get into, you know, some, some other weird science about the firmographic and behavioral changes at companies and go a click deeper, that's a whole other unlock for audience that, that we want to get weird about one day. And so that gets interesting. Um, customer marketing is in my remit too. Um, it does touch advocacy, does touch community, our customer advisory board, our customer gifting program, uh, our customer appreciations, our voice of customer program, market, compete in market intelligence. And I appreciate the language from, from, this, from this crew, right? Because it's not just who are we actively competing with every single day? It's the broader intelligence of the market. Who are some of the players out there that are doing things that are interesting that create one plus one equals threes or fours? Um, who's out there that could potentially be a threat one day? Who's out there that like, actually is active and maybe some pockets and audiences that we haven't thought about? So if it was just compete and building against our kind of named reference competitor, that's one thing, but the wider lens forces us to do win-loss analysis at scale. It requires us to do uh, sales confidence work at scale to get a sense of how confident are they in their sales skills. And then there's pricing and packaging, uh, which sits in product marketing. So again, if we've defined the value the right way, we should be able to command the capital to deliver that value. And, 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 that, and that equation should be pretty clean. Um, so pricing and packages are remit here. And then there's launch. Uh, launch is everything. Uh, our motto is always be launching. Uh, Jam talked about this. It's You can do kind of the release cadence of, yeah, every six to eight weeks, there's new capability. But when you want those moments where everyone's locked step, locked in arms about what the story is, how the story's evolved, how you prove it, how it's different. We look to two big launch moments in a year. And so we'd like to get to the point where that scales up, but that's what product marketing looks like at high spot. And I, I really like that notion of product evangelist. I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking notes here. So that's <laughs> nice. a, a platform to have. I, I was just taught, I just had it. I had it in my higher, I had it as technical product marketer, but product evangelist sounds a hell of a lot better. So I think I'm gonna take that. So when it yeah. comes to, when it comes to launches, what, like how much of a launch is like an all hands on deck sort of thing. And is, is that a case or is there kind of like one, two people who kind of own launch? No, it's, it's an all hands on deck. So we have Kirsten Walker, who's our, who's our launch, our launch lady. She, she is driving a cross-functional process that pulls product into the room, marketing into the room, enablement into the room, customer success and services into the room. Um, there is an all hands meeting that we'll get on and say, Hey, spring launch June 1st, this is what's mm-hmm. coming. And I love the ability to talk about not just the product enhancements, but the, the narrative enhancements, the story enhancements, our point of view enhancements. So the launch is that moment in time where you can kind of communicate it all. It requires all hands on deck because you guys know as product marketers, the, I think the other job to be done is we know we're doing our job right when no group, none of our partners 
feel like something got thrown over the wall. I didn't know this was coming. I didn't know this change was happening. I didn't know this price was doing this. I didn't know this product was operating this way. So we've done our jobs really well if we can kind of be in the middle and kind of be that API that powers everything and, and launches that force and function. If you do it right and you do it often enough, everyone kind of knows the same rhythm of the business that you do, but obviously don't sit in the position in the middle like you do. So it's your job to kind of connect the disconnect. It launches that function that gets us literally all on the same page. Jason, let's stay with you for a second. So Clue is a pretty small, small but mighty product marketing team. So our team is three, including myself. So we have Suman. Suman's our customer marketer, very similar to customer marketing um, at high spot. So everything from customer like marketing to our customers, but also leveraging customers and 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 helping using utilizing our customers to help us go to market. So customer stories, customer, I mean. Um, customer evangelism, all that. Brandon, who is our competitive enablement manager. And so at Clue, for us, obviously we're super passionate about competitive enablement and uh, we made that a, a key role within the product marketing team. But honestly, it's such a valuable role and I think I'd have it in any company I go to in the future. And so Brandon is involved in everything from, you know, obviously competitive intelligence, but also building out a lot of the enablement for our team. So in many ways, he's also taken on a lot of broader enablement responsibilities too, obviously being a small team and then myself. And so I work on things like positioning and messaging, release marketing, uh, analyst relations. So kind of pick up the rest, but it, there's so much of what we do is an all hands on deck sort of thing. So our whole team dabbles in a little bit of everything, um, especially when say a big release is coming up or anything like that. So that's what it looks like at Clue. Brilliant. And you're right. The Clue team is, uh, is a mighty team. Last but not least, Julian. What does product marketing as a team look like at Gong? Yeah. Um, first off, it feels great to hear from other other leaders how they organized their teams. It's just uh, it's a, it's reassuring to see that we all are pretty much aligned by function, uh, and we think about you know the big blocks the the same way. So this this last past five to ten minutes just makes me feel good um, about, uh, about the, the alignment. So same, I, uh, I, I always say I like aligning the team by function. I think that's how you can play with the people's strengths and also that leaves enough room for individuals to get to learn new functions and, and to grow and to have fun versus like a, a breakdown by product line or by segment or by geo and what have you. So Gong, kind of the same story. We have six pods on my team. Um, uh, one is a category marketing one. The second one is core messaging positioning. The third one is solution marketing. Fourth one is customer marketing. Fifth one is velocity and technical product marketing. And the last one is pricing and packaging. Um, so the initial one, uh, category and market strategy. This has the analyst relations, CI, and yes, we're also using and loving Clue here, uh, and thought leadership. The second one is your kind of core PMM block, if you will, messaging, positioning, strategic narrative, product launches, partner PMM, similar to what Jam described. The third one, I love, and I would encourage people to think about it. It's the solution marketing pod. Mm -hmm. So you can think of that as like, you know, people responsible for second call decks and second call demo flows, or anytime we, you need a new industry deck, a new persona pitch, 
that's going to be the solution marketing. Um, and then, as I said, customer marketing for us is both advocacy and lifecycle, similar to what some of the folks said here. Uh, the velocity and technical PMM, I know you like that piece because we kind of stole that term from you, Rowan. Uh, it really is the kind of the, the liaison with the enablement side of the house, but on the PMM side. Um, so really trying to make sure that all the PMM assets and programs reach their audience via the enablement channels. And the last one is pricing packaging. And I'll say, I love having pricing and packaging on the team. I've seen pricing and packaging be in ops teams elsewhere. And I think it's such a customer, it should be such a customer facing function that it makes absolute sense to have your PNP people under PMM. Ah, oh, love it, Julian. And you know, per what you just said, we'll shout out Elvis and your team here, uh, rising <laughs> rock star PMM. Love my chats with that cat. And yeah, you're right. Velocity, it's, you know, that's where rubber meets the road. If uh, product marketing yep. uh, can do everything that you gentlemen have just talked about, but if we're not really helping guide or in some cases build out the sales plays that help with the acquisition or helping the customer success teams with expansion and or retention from, via play, then then we're shirking our responsibilities, I think. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love that Velocity is part of your, uh, your remit now. As part of the WIN framework, first and foremost, like, we have to, the, the W in win, it's who, it's who we choose to serve and who we choose to compete against. But let's just hone in on who we choose to stir uh, to serve. Like who are we going to, to win with? How is High Spot, Sixth Sense, Gong, how are each of your product marketing teams helping their companies, your companies understand who to serve? Uh, Gerard, let's start with you. Yeah, so we... It, this is this is interesting, right? Because high spot traditionally was about getting your sales content, the content you develop for your salespeople, into a single source of truth, and then getting the salespeople to use it. That's great, but there's more to enablement than just content. There's the notion of training and coaching, and so as we've brought more personas to the table, we've really started to put enablement at the center of that conversation. Yes, product marketing, product marketers like us get a lot of value of our through our enablement partnerships, but it really is about enablement's ability to demonstrate their strategic value to the business, uh, to really level up from what most might see as a tactical reactive function into the engine that connects the business goals and objectives to outcomes. You, you, can't, you can't do that without enablement, right? If you can't equip, train, and coach your reps to be effective and then have the analytics to figure out if it's all working, you're, you're going to struggle to, to grow. You're going to struggle to drive revenue. And so we, we choose to serve the enablement persona uh, within companies who have you know, fast-growing sales teams, who have a best-in-class CRM platform, who need to integrate with solutions like Clue and Sixth Sense and Gong. And so how you pull that all together is really important for us, but we put enablement personas at growth companies who need to get sales folks confident so that they can uh, attain quota so that they can uh, be successful at, at the forefront of everything we do. Julian, how is the product marketing team at Gong doing their best to understand who to serve? Like who's going to be the most profitable type of customer uh, to solve you know, a problem for and to solve those jobs to be done? 
I think knowing, I'm going to state the obvious, but knowing your audience's pains and frustrations and drivers is literally half of the job done. But we all know it's easier said than done, right? Um, so I, I'm really personally big on research. And by research, I mean all kinds of research. It goes from, you know, scrappy internal coffee chats with your top performing AEs to uh, bigger third-party-led external buyer research, qualitative, quantitative, listening to gong calls, of course. Um, so really trying to like collect a lot of that of that persona data. Now I will say um, I have a love-hate relationship with personas because um, <laughs> I think personas are limiting. They're often incomplete, and I just don't like the idea of putting people in a box. I think it's a good first step, but it should not be the, you know, the end of the road, right? Personas is only half of the equation, half of the picture. So a gong typically in our kind of like bull, bull's eyes, ICP segmentation, whatever, we typically have a primary and secondary, secondary buyer and influencer personas. We also have expansion specific personas, you know, typically you would for example, you land in sales and then you expand uh, to the CS uh, kind of folks. So a lot of like white space analysis. So it's, it's complex, right? You get to put people in boxes, you know, like personas also vary by stage. Sometimes you, you lead with your VP of sales, for example, but then there's the CISO or the IT person coming in at the very end of your cycle when it's in like pilot or validation stage. So I guess what I'm saying is that uh, as much as I love, you know, uh, doing in-depth research, I, I do think that personas can be really complex, very fluid, and, and it's a really hard problem to tackle. I'm, I'm slow clapping right now. You can't see me, mm -hmm. but I have, I, have the same, I have the same on personas. And I think we get a little too rigid on if you're talking to this person, these are the things you say, and these are the points yeah. you land. And the mm -hmm. reality is like, here we are, similar personas. We, we, there's a lot of alignment between what we do, but I, I struggle to say we all have the same exact goals, objectives, you know, you know, ways that we want to solve those. So the same talk track for all of us doesn't doesn't necessarily resonate. And so, yeah, I, I just I'm, you're preaching gospel, sir. I appreciate you. How, how is uh, how is Sixth Sense, you know, really honing in on who they choose to serve? Like, well, how's product marketing? What is their role in, in helping with that decision? Yeah, well, this is where, you know, um, uh, if, if, if you're a gong, you, you get to say, hey, we get to really listen to a lot of these interactions and, and lean into what you have. Similarly, like we, we have a little bit of an unfair advantage here because creating targeted audience segments is a big part of what Sixth Sense is all about. That, that's a lot of the value that we, we sell. And so we really look at the segments that are driving intent, the keywords that people are, are, are researching and you know, prior to this, I wouldn't have thought of Sixth Sense as really a product marketer's tool, but you know, now I really lean into it. it. I glean a lot from different segments that are showing interest. What what are the keywords they're they're searching? What topics of interest they have, uh, and that lets us know kind of you know where we want to direct our efforts, even as we expand into into other segments. Like we'll we'll spin up a segment, we'll look at activity, we'll start to see the level of interest, so that we have a, a more informed decision before we expand into other segments. Uh, and then at the persona level, I'll echo what, what uh, you know, my, my counterparts here said. I, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I think they're very necessary. 
but we tend to get too obsessed with them in, in product marketing. Uh, I like to think about uh, your story in terms of value-based outcomes. And there's a finite number of outcomes that your, your solution is always going to talk about. Where personas and your research comes in handy is to make sure that you're speaking in a language that's relatable to the person you're talking to. So your story may not change, but uh, you know, a person in marketing operations is going to have a certain set of language that they just respond to, which is very different for when we talk to somebody in sales. And so tailoring maybe the same outcome to the language that the person is using is something that you know you, we, we track and just a lot of voice of customer search, right? We make sure along with listening to things like gong calls and you know uh, connecting with our sales team is just you know regularly doing win-loss programs and then just reaching out to customers and doing regular uh, tests on what messaging resonates, what, what do they care about a lot? Uh, because there's a lot about your platform people will like but there's a few things that they're really going to care about a lot and making sure that you're always elevating that language in, you know, and reflecting that in the language of the customer. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds and, and it's not a one and done, right? It's something that needs continuous quarterly tending. That's awesome. Well, so we've talked a bit about, you know, we've gone through and talked about from the win perspective, who we're targeting, but obviously once you know who you're targeting, you know, you kind of understand your, your ICP, obviously then the, the kind of the next step is to understand who you're up against and who your what your competitive landscape or the market looks like. And so I'm curious to hear from each of you, how product marketing is helping kind of level up the team, enable them on one, understanding your competition, but two also enabling that, them to actually differentiate and win and be able to kind of have those conversations about the competition. So just curious, you know, Gerard, maybe talk a yeah. little bit about how you're doing that at high spot. Yeah, a few ways. So, um, you know, we're, we're a Clue customer, a big time fan of Clue and all the work where we're able to do with you guys. But I also think that, again, the market intelligence piece is voice of customer driven. Um, we do as much research as we possibly can. And it's grown from go to our competitors, scrape their features, and then talk about how to talk about how our features are better. Um, that didn't get you very far, especially as your market evolves and, and, and your customers or your buyers start to kind of understand a framework that come from buying tools like yours before. So you're only going to win the feature fight for so long. It, it comes down to how you connect those features to value better. And we've done so much with win-loss that looks at the product experience we drive, the sales process we drive in pre-sales, the post-sales process we support in terms of getting customers implemented the value we give them in terms of being able to help them tell the value of enablement story differently are the things we want to lean on. And so again, if it's competitive was just who builds the better product, I don't think markets would look the way they look today. But if it came down to how do you give your reps the confidence they need to have those conversations and pull the right weapon or the right differentiation dagger when they need to, we think we've done our job the right way when that starts to happen at scale. So we know who our competitors are, but again, we, we also look at the no decision competitor, the status quo competitor, the getting the buyer committee to align competitors, a bunch of competitors we look at that sometimes aren't technical at all. So it's, 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 a, it's a tough job to do, but, but one we look forward to doing every day. I like what you said earlier too about context. And ultimately your job is, to be able to provide context to the sales team so that they can have those conversations to understand why, not just a 
a feature comparison list, right? Yeah, and the context matters because it might be a feature conversation. Sometimes you might have to answer that question of how is your widget better than their widget? You, you might have to answer, but that's not the default answer, right? So we, we, we have to get the context of who's asking, why are they asking, uh, what are they ultimately trying to answer? What's the question behind the question? And you need, you need depth to do that. You need to know the personas, you need to know the landscape, you need to know the value drivers, you need to know a lot to be able to say, well, I do this in this situation and then have the research to validate that when you run the play and execute it that way, these are the outcomes you can drive. Context is everything. Jam, why don't we get, um, yeah, why don't we get your take on that as well? Yeah, I think uh, Gerard covered it really nice, like nicely. So the only thing I'll add to that is, you know, the biggest competition that often gets overlooked is do nothing. And, you know, tend to forget that you're also competing against wallet share. And we get so obsessed with what our, our, our competitors are doing. Uh, you know, the biggest hurdle we have to get people over is just the, uh, the need to change. Uh, and so that is a big competitor. You know, the competitor positioning around initiating change is something that needs as much attention as your direct competitors. We've identified who we're going to serve, who we're going to compete against. Next up, and this is the really hard part now, is impact. Like we have to ensure our customers realize an impact after hiring us to solve for their jobs to be done. So how are your teams defining, determining the value that you offer your, you know, your chosen customers? Not all at once. <laughs> I know who it's for. Yeah, uh, we'll open up to anyone. Oh, um, you know, for us, the, the value we want to provide our customers ultimately is we want to help more reps attain quota, full stop. Um, you can look at a lot of other metrics about um, confidence. You can look at other metrics about ramp time, and you can look at other metrics about, you know, conversion and win rate. But it ultimately, the challenge we're trying to solve is that, you know, by and large, your reps are all selling the same thing to the same audience, but, you know, there's a larger, there's a small minority that's winning the majority of the deals and driving the majority of the revenue. How do you unthaw that frozen middle? How do you get more reps to participate? Because ultimately that's the best predictor of, of revenue growth. You cannot rely on your top performers because uh, they'll get poached. <laughs> they'll get really tired of holding or, um, or again, they, they, they won't scale very well. And so, how do you unthaw the frozen middle and get more reps in the plan to participate? And that's the one we, we hang our hats on because again, that's, that, that's the one that everyone needs to rally around. How do you get more out of the middle as opposed to just doing more things and expecting the same results? Jim, how's, yeah, how's six cents helping, you know, determine that impact of value for your customer? Yeah, I mean, th that's why I think it, it's really, there's a lot of questions around whether customer marketing should roll up and, and community in general under product marketing. But I think that's a great like advocacy and adoption, right? Are, are your customers ending up to be advocates for you? And is the right adoption there? You can have the best message, but if people aren't using the product, if people aren't actively in your product, uh, that's a good indicator, right? So we look at, at uh, you know, more qualitative things like, like advocacy. We look at quantitative things like adoption. And then we'll look at things like net retention rates and churn to see like, you know, whether if we're, you know, if we're telling the right stories, people are using more of the product, they're upselling, they're buying more. Uh, and so those are along with the typical marketing metrics of win rates and deal velocity, you know, pay a lot of attention to, to churn, uh, net retention rates and uh, adoption. Um, Julian, this one's for you. So we've talked about in the win framework, we understand 
who our customers are, who our competitors are. We understand the impact. Now the job is to package all that up into a, a powerful narrative, not just for internal, but external too. And so walk us through what that looks like at Gong and how you guys go about it. I, I, got, the, I got the hard question. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, honestly, it's like the W and the I of win are kind of easier in my mind, right? Because it's backed by data. We all know crafting the narrative, the big N narrative, is the, is the, that's the hard part. Uh, it's almost like, I don't know, like if I keep doing my stupid music analogy, like the W, the who is kind of like, it tells you that your audience is expecting a funky blues concert from you. The I, I'm going to make that up, uh, impact is going to tell you that the expected outcome of that concert is that people are going to dance and sing along. Okay, now N is, okay, well, now you go write that cool groovy blues tune, you know, like that's mm -hmm. when the actual work starts. Um, so I'll say it's very iterative. It's like, it's like composing a song or, you know, a painting or something. It's often messy, as we all know. But of course, that's where all the data, all the market, all the customer context that you've amassed would really help you unleash your creativity, unleash that inner artist and, and rock star that you have in you. So when it comes to that sausage making, I have a few guiding principles. One is I like to go fast and iterate as fast as possible. And uh, you know, messaging has to be tested out. Uh, and, and if it doesn't resonate, if it doesn't land, it's cool, you can tweak and then it'll be, the, it, it'll be better next time. Um, I also like including sales champions in that sausage making. I think it makes sense to capture their voice uh, and have them do the pitch almost as like an early adopter kind of, you know, thing. Um, I like testing with prospects. I like testing with Gartner and Forrester. If, you, if you're lucky enough to have seats with these firms, then leverage that and do a lot of inquiry calls, you know, test out your messaging with them. And the final thing I'll say is um, it's all about measuring the adoption and the impact of said messaging. I, I know, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm so data driven. Um, but I, I think uh, we try to be extremely disciplined when it comes to measuring the impact of our messaging work uh, at Gong. And we measure that in terms of lift in win rates and conversions and things like that. Um, basically doing A-B testing and using the Gong product to do that. So at a high level, it's, it's hard, it's messy, it's iterative, uh, but bringing all the stakeholders and all the voices in, uh, threading that needle and then measuring adoption and impact is absolutely key to a successful narrative. There's so many good things in there. I love the analyst piece. I also love knowing like the narrative is never done, really. It's constantly being <laughs> yeah. iterated, right? So true. Jan, what's your take? Yeah, uh, uh, very, very similar uh, uh, playbook over here, right? There, there's no such thing as the perfect narrative. And, you know, you, you've got to iterate fast and uh, make sure you're bringing people along with you for the ride. So a lot of what Julian said, you just can't overemphasize that enough. You know, make, uh, we have a small tiger team here. We've spun up, uh, we affectionately call win more deals, win bigger deals. And it's a core group of sellers, SCs, CSMs, they just meet on a weekly basis to huddle on topics and all selected by, you know, management team as representatives. 
Uh, and it's just a great testing ground for, for topics exactly like this. So uh, on a narrative, I think getting the people that are out there the, uh, in the field involved and getting their buy-in early is, is super important. And I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, show, don't just tell. So um, I'm out there on the front lines pitching this. And I feel like product marketing has to also be the best deliverer of the narrative and the best seller of the narrative. Because if, if you can deliver it, you're not going to get people to buy into your vision. Making sure that you're able to, if there's a certification or something, you need to be the first one certified. Absolutely. Gerard. Yeah, it, I, I love that element of credibility because, again, if you cannot write a narrative and if you can't get the field to be confident in it, it's, it's going nowhere. Um, and I think that's why it's really important for product marketing to be a customer-facing role. I, I really mean that. I'm sure, like you got, I'm on a lot of prospect calls. I'm on a lot of buyer calls. We're talking to PMMs, but we're also talking to sales enablement. We're telling them how it all works together. So. I, I spend a good amount of my time with the field and I think their ability to see, okay, this is how you can tell a story. This is how you can weave in the stories of other customers is really powerful. And I think, again, because of where product marketing sits in the business, you know, in advance where the product is going, you know, where the market is going, you're in the best position to create the narrative. And then by the time people have kind of caught up, this is like exactly where they need to be. And so I, again, I, I look a lot at, externally to build the narrative because it's always in the context of the buyer um you know they don't understand your history yet they don't understand your product portfolio yet but if you can kind of relate to them meet them where they are you can kind of tie your value to what they're trying to solve for and you do it in a way where I think julian said it the narrative's always evolving because the market's evolving and your product's evolving and that's okay but that's our job and again, that's why it's hard. That's why they pay us what they pay us. That's why we do what we do. And so I, I wouldn't want to do anything else, to be honest with you. Oh, on that note, product marketing community, there's your crash course on how to help your company position to win with the Jam Master J crew. And we have Jam, the storyteller, Julian, the rock star, Gerard, the problem solver, and then Jason, the glue guy. Every crew needs a glue guy. Thank you, gentlemen. And until next time, Go position to win.